SummerSlam, brought to you by IcaPro. IcaPro, for everybody that cares about their body. Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania. Hey guys, just keep in mind the British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not. <laughs> Kid smart, that's how the business works. You don't get to decide. Exactly. Yeah. What a booker. <laughs> what a guy. This is SummerSlam 1992. Yeah. I'm your co-host, Kobe Nida. As always, I'm joined by... The other half of the hosting squad, uh, Jimmy Price. Yep, the hosting squad is here. Yeah. So we're bringing you back to the, the magical year of 1992 as we uh, approach the 25th anniversary of the biggest, attendance-wise, the biggest SummerSlam of all time. Yeah. yeah. This is a bonus episode, though. The so, bonus. Yeah, it's not in the timeline, so we're going to travel to 1992. And here we are in Wembley, and it's going to be the key players from before, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, but With- Shawn's not really in this one too much. Yeah, Sean's Sean's working his way up the card. Uh but uh Brett gets that sweet sweet main event spot against the the hometown boy uh Davy Boy Smith. The hometown Davy Boy Smith. Uh and and they get the uh the main event slot over uh the uh other main event which was Ultimate Warrior versus Ric Flair. Yep. It's actually August 29th, 1992. Um, this took place at 7 p.m. Yeah. And uh, it was a Saturday night. Saturday night pay-per-view. Uh, crazy, uh, crazy idea. Something that I wish they would they would get back to. Um, yeah. I feel like been been locked into this Sunday night time slot for, for too long. It'd be nice to switch it up, do like a UFC-style uh, Saturday pay-per-view every now and then. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And like, um, like... Why start it at 8 p.m. on a Sunday? Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, we're getting into this area where it's on demand anyhow. Yeah. So maybe make it like a Saturday night, like you said, or a Saturday evening, like a whole 
day festival yeah uh, or a friday night even too um i think those are better sales times maybe yeah yeah i mean it's it would fit easier into people's lives i feel like but and i think like the the prevailing logic between this the you know this classic sunday night at eight time slot was you know a lot of that was dictated by these pay-per-view companies and the the cable providers and dish providers that were uh broadcasting them now that we're in a uh post uh you know we're in the wwe network uh era you know they could do whatever they want um so i I would it would be cool to see them sort of explore some some different uh time frames for these pay-per-views it might freshen things up might get more people to subscribe and and did you watch the wwe japan thing i did yeah yeah yeah. so did i I yeah stayed up for it and my girlfriend was like what are you doing i'm watching wrestling that's live right now sure yeah Uh, (laughs) i mean and there's people that stay up and do the new japan stuff oh yeah yeah so all the time bad yeah the diehards are gonna watch it you know doesn't matter what time you put it on if it's live they're gonna be watching so um yeah it'd be cool to see them kind of mess around with it a little bit yeah it'd be nice um but they but they didn't even air this um live yeah they did it two days later on the 31st yeah so that's what the network says it's at too. Yeah, yeah. So not not factually accurate. Also, they robbed the world of three tremendous dark matches, oh, including man. a uh, knockdown dragout between Papa Shango and uh, El Matador Tito Santana. Yup, those are some good matches, um, which I don't think are on the network. No, they're uh, not even yeah. included. Um, they're they're included on a certain version of the of the the VHSs that were yeah. released. Yeah, which was released like September, so real soon after. I didn't know yeah, they released that stuff that soon. That's a quick turnaround. Then. Yeah, ninety two. They were quick. Yeah, and the cover of this one was a little bit different. The Royal Rumble always had that cartoon stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that that uh collection of uh the thirty uh <laughs> cartoon superstars, classic design. Yeah. Brett and uh, Bulldog get the cover on this one. Nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, opening up the really the the first dark match is Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers against the Nas- Nasty Boys and um, the Mountie. The Mountie, yes, the Mountie. <laughs> so I mean, that got them started. Yeah. Apparently, there was a, even like a USA chant. Interesting. So in the UK, yeah, yeah worked it worked yeah it's fun um people like to chant well the reason this is all like kind of going on is um we we have some issues in late 1991 yeah yeah the uh the the steroid uh scandal is starting to hit them uh as well as some uh some sex scandals uh some of which involving uh pat patterson uh, That's some, an early '92, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, but so, it, it all correlates. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're getting rocked by these scandals. Hogan is is you know absent uh, after WrestleMania eight. The wrestling world's true superstars has come forth to discuss the charges uh, against him. In a sense, please welcome Hulk Hogan. Um. <laughs> I'm sure you know that your name came up recently when a doctor got himself into trouble. Uh, have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. Definitely. You want to discuss it? Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Um, basically, I saw Lyle out here, and I saw you throw my name into the ringer, 
Yeah. So because I read the paper, yeah, and my I, job I is to that. inform people as exactly. to what's going on in society, not accusing you of anything. Okay. I, I mentioned that you had been in the news. Well, that's the problem. See, people read the paper to be informed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you read the paper and you get misinformed. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to do, with all due respect... Mm -hmm. And in defense of USA Today and some of the other papers, yeah. I'm sure when the doctor was con convicted, um, that's how they got your name. It's, I, I, I wouldn't want to make it seem like they're making up the papers at LA Times. Well, no, basically I was, a, one of the, I was one of the patients of this doctor, and then later on down the line he did all these other things. But a federal judge basically said, Hulk Hogan, you don't have to testify. This trial has nothing to do with you. Pat Patterson. Yeah. Tell me about that. What happened? We were at an event at the Worcester Arena, and uh, he had come up to me, and uh, he said, so you're the new guy. Uh, what do you taste like? And I was really put back by it. And I told him that he had had the wrong guy. And then he told me candidly that not if I wanted to keep my job with him, I didn't. And he kept his word. Two weeks later, I was fired. I really don't know what to make of it. What's shocking about this no situation is that despite his denials, on, no on national no television, no less, McMahon knew what was going on. Why would I condone this kind of activity and risk this alleged kind of revenue? Because Vince, when they fired me, I told him in my meeting, I told him straight up, Vince, your vice president came on to me at the Worcester Arena. I know this is the reason why you're firing me. He cut me off abruptly. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to address the issue. He felt I was just some little peon who was just going to get kicked under the rug like everybody else who didn't do what Vince McMahon wanted them to do. Um, and so their business is down in the United States. Houses are down. But across the pond in the U.K., business is at an all-time high. Right. Um and so they kind of call an audible uh, in mid June. It was it was originally slated to be in the good old Cap Center yeah. in Landover, Maryland, a place that's very near and dear to you and I and many people in the in the uh, Baltimore, Washington area. Um, it was originally slated to be there, but then uh, somehow Vince is able to pull it off and switch it to uh, Wembley Stadium. Yep, and it was supposed to be um, a match between. Our uh, two protagonists, uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret Hart, they were uh, in the midst of uh, working house shows feuding over the IC title. Um, this is where the infamous first ladder match uh, comes into play. I believe that took place in like June or July. Yeah, yeah. So they're gearing towards SummerSlam. Um, but with, uh, you know, with moving to Wembley Stadium and needing to sell 80,000 tickets. Uh, they decided to take Davy Boy Smith, uh, the native son, and uh, put him in the main event against Brett. Oh yeah! yeah. So Brett uh, is popular in Europe, but Davy Boy Smith is from this area. Yeah. So we got a we got a good main event here with two popular stars, yeah. and they they do the audible as well as switching up the main event. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's explain that just a little. I mean, the the main event scene is. Savage has the title right now, and he's going against Warrior. Yeah. And yeah. then Flair is on the sidelines, and Mr. Perfect is as well. Yeah. So Flair and Perfect, uh, at this point, they're kind of causing a little mischief. Flair's trying to re reinsert himself into that main event um, spot to get his title back because uh, he's the real world's champion. Mm. Uh, and um, so uh, him and, you know, uh, there's they're building this babyface versus babyface feud between uh, Savage and Warrior. Um, and uh, showcasing and using flair and perfect as the heels to sort of play the two against each other. Yep. 
and uh, they moved into this situation. Um, basically, Macho Man won the title. He won. He won the title from Flair yeah, at, in at WrestleMania Eight. Yes. I think. Yeah, WrestleMania Eight. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then Warrior is hot. Yeah, going he makes for the title. Yeah, he makes his big triumphant return at the end of WrestleMania Eight as well. So that sort of sets these two on their uh, it looks cool. a little different. Slim down um, with with the steroid scandal uh, rocking and rolling and causing all kinds of problems in uh, Stanford. Um, Warrior is is noticeably slimmer. Is uh, not rocking uh, not rocking the uh, just the tights like he was in his heyday. He's rocking a uh, a singlet with muscles uh, painted on to the singlet. <laughs> Not sure who they thought they were gonna fool with that, um, but yeah, he's he's looking pretty slim. Uh, in reading through uh, an old Wrestling uh, Observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer describes him as a uh, he's as looking like a taller Brian Pillman, yeah, without the wrestling ability. And he is he's bearing a little uh, resemblance to Flying Brian at this time. He is a little bit with yeah. the face paint. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I, I could see Brian Pillman f- pulling off face paint. Oh yeah, definitely. Um. All right. Well, let's let's actually do it. Let's uh, let's let's get into it. Run up and down the card. Let's do it. So the first dark match, like we said, was Jim Duggan with the Bushwhackers against the Mountie and the Nasty Boys with yeah. Jimmy Hart. That was like a 12-minute match. <sighs> not going to talk God. about it too much, but that's brutal. That's the longest 12 minutes of anybody's life, I'm sure. Yeah. But would you have preferred this over some of the other tag matches that are on the card coming up? That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, with this... We'll run through that after. Yeah, you got some seasoned veterans in this, and this, this might actually be better than... A certain tag match. Then we see the next match is Papa Shango defeating Tito Santana. Yeah. Oof. Six minutes. Six minutes, yeah. Not too bad. How do you feel about Papa Shango? Um, I, like like we said before, I was intrigued as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't really remember any matches, honestly. Yeah, because he, he didn't really wrestle that much. I feel like, but the man, the vignettes were. Was it maybe on like Prime Time or Wrestling Challenge that he wrestled? Yeah, and I think probably Jobbers. Primarily, yeah. And I, as he would, as he what was, was his finisher? I have no idea. 
I have need to no figure idea. this out by the end. It was the hoe train. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he is this before or after the Ultimate Warrior? This is probably like after, like or maybe not. Well, well to, he's involved in the finish of WrestleMania Eight. Too. He is, yeah. So I feel like that was Warrior's first thing back. So they were probably just transitioning out of that at this point. Okay. Well. Anyhow, <laughs> this is apparently a safe match because Tito Santana doesn't like bump that much. Yeah, and nah. he's a safe old school wrestler. Yeah. So. This was six minutes of uh, probably headlocks and. Yeah. Uh, boring stuff you're in good hands with tito (laughs) all right now the actual entrance that we see on the wwe network version which we watched yes you can watch along as well if you want yeah check i don't know check it out yeah i mean (laughs) there's like three watchable matches on this card yeah it's and And even then yeah maybe two yeah at the end of the day it's been described as a uh, as a two match show but two really good matches yes indeed sometimes they do, that's all you need they do power they do power through they come through yeah um the real main of the real opener of this event for us on the wwe network is the legion of doom going against money inc yeah all right so uh Legion of Doom coming out on motorcycles. Motorcycles with uh, Paul Ellering. Yeah. Who badass. He, this is that, so badass. Yeah. And uh, you know him now as the uh, manager of the uh, Arthurs of Pain. Uh, and uh, yeah, is, is this one where they break out Rocco? Yep, that's what I was going to say. <sighs> tell that's him, tell him about bad, Rocco. That ends the badass part. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like... <laughs> They do this way before DOA, who they're yeah. feuding with in the current storyline right, that we're right. doing. But uh, they, it, like mid-June, July, they do an angle where they are looking in their old like stomping grounds in Chicago. And uh, in a junkyard, they find freckles. That's what it first was. <laughs> but it didn't air um, so because it didn't like go over. Like at the taping, yeah. Um, I can so, can only imagine why. <laughs> so basically, this badass team has this uh, ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> it's a ventriloquist dummy. It's freckles. <laughs> this is the team that like gouged Dusty Rhodes' eye out, just for the record. And this is what what Vince is having them do. They're but on... this is what they had before, apparently, in the storyline. Yeah. So imagine. They like had a ventriloquist dummy hanging around. He's this slick back hair, like <laughs> uh, biker looking dummy. But it reminds me of uh, Night of the Living Dummy. I was just gonna say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's hanging out with these two hard nose, no selling, spikes on their shoulders, face paint, yeah, uh, yelling guys, and then one dis- like devious looking uh, manager. Yeah. Um, which that's about all Paul Ellering is. Yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, his promos in small doses are good, but yeah, it, it's it's the same shtick. Yeah, he, he, Vince was probably like, "It's not enough. Yeah, we need to uh, 
<laughs> we need to add another dummy. How how are they gonna really strike fear in their opponent's heart? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. Uh, so they come out with Paul with Paul Ellering having his hand shoved up Rocco's ass the whole night. They rename it Rocco. Yeah. Um, this is the first and I think the last appearance of him. I think he goes quick. Yeah, this is the the last appearance of Rocco because this is actually the last appearance of uh, Legion of Doom, not only in WWF until they come back in uh, 97, but they actually didn't team together uh, until a WCW run in 96. Yep, they got uh, signed by WCW in late 95. Yeah, yeah. So what, what goes on? So Hawk is, uh, you know, Rest in peace. He he had a you know struggled with his demons his, most of his life, um, and he was in a really bad way at this point. Uh, he after SummerSlam uh, skips the flight home with the rest of the boys, um, and different accounts like some people are saying that he's hanging out with Berserker, uh, hanging out with the London chapter of Hell's Angels, just doing uh, all sorts of uh, drugs, and you know um, so this leads to their release from WWF and it leads to a, uh, a sort of breakup in the, in the team and the friendship he had with, uh, with animal. And so animal kind of goes and does his own thing in Japan for a while. But yeah, this, this, um, this is their last match for four years almost. Yep. And, uh, I mean, the real victim is Rocco. (laughs) Rocco was set. (laughs) They were, they were getting ready to strap the rocket to Rocco. It's going to be a Rocco rocket. Oh. All the way to Mania. Well, <laughs> but it's it's being it's being ven yeah. What's well, how how would you say it's being ventriloquized? Yeah. Or, I, uh, what's the verb there? Look at the verb. Co- mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, imagine Rocco doing that. Yeah. But Hawk not opening his mouth and doing the <laughs> well. Yeah. Um. This is this is also a match where Hawk is messed up on some uh, sedatives. Yeah. So he is not looking good in this match. Already in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. He's not looking good this match at all. No, no, def- definitely not. Uh, he's in a bad way, and uh, that's. I mean, you got in this match. You got you know on paper this this could have been. Um, Maybe not like a technical classic, but you got four guys who are pretty solid. Yeah, um, IRS gets boring in WWF. When yeah, he's Mike Rotundo. Oh sure, um, he's a lot better. Yeah, that, yeah, that that was definitely his prime. But I mean, I liked I liked Money Inc. as a team. Yeah, um, this is a this is an alright match. Uh, I mean, yeah, Hawk Hawk is obviously high because. Ted takes control immediately and he just like punches Hawk and Hawk just like droops his arms down and just takes it. Yeah. You never see the road warriors like faint anything like that or like, no, you know, definitely not. They usually no sell. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're hyped for them. Apparently that chapter of, uh, the hell's angel was, was really into the berserker and Hawk. Yeah. Um, enough that they rode off after this match. Just their with dudes, them. just MIA, didn't take the plane yeah. back, and left. Poor uh, career choice for yeah. both of them. Um, so Hawk clotheslines DiBiase over the top. Then Animal is on the outside. 
I was just thinking about Berserker, and I was thinking about that uh, Clerks when he's singing Berserker, and then like, it's like imagining Hell's Angels. Would you like to ride my bike, Berserker? Sorry, we. That's all. That's all I have. We can save that for the end of the episode if you want. That's good. And Animal goes for a punch on IRS. And IRS goes for the Wyatt slide out of the ring. Ooh. He like drops down to his belly and slides out just like Bray Wyatt. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, then Animal steps on his tie, though, while he's doing that. So he prevents him to go <laughs> all the way. Um, it's a good one. And Heenan goes, he stepped on his tongue. And he's like, what? He's like, I thought he stepped on his tongue. Because <laughs> of the red tie. Yeah. That's great. So sleeper hold from IRS, and then we get Hawk powering out of it, but uh, Paul Ellering is on the ringside with his hand shoved up Rocco's ass going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Terrible. So they're building the heat more, and then finally Animal's in, and he throws IRS over the top. Hawk is back into the ring, into the corner, and they signal for the Doomsday device, and... They do get DiBiase up, but uh, IRS hits Animal while the referee is looking at Hawk on the top rope. And Animal gets IRS on the ropes and swings DiBiase into IRS, who's on the outside. Um, and then a power slam, one, two, three. Yeah. There you go. Big uh, big victory for them. Yeah. So the fa- the fans are loving the LOD. Yeah, yeah. And, and being in, uh, in England, they... Uh... Don't really, I I'm, didn't really get a chance to see, you know, LOD in person that much. So, big pop for them. Um, and unfortunately, the last time they would team for some time for a while. Yeah, not for some time. Um, then we go to Mean Gene with Ric Flair. Ric Flair is mad that he was not given an opportunity at the title again. It's not fair to Flair. No, it's not. Uh, mean Gene asks why he's wearing his wrestling gear and Ric Flair says, cause anybody that knows Ric Flair knows that he stays ready for any kind of action. <laughs> yeah. So he's either ready to fuck or wrestle or both. Yeah. When Prob- he's in that gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Like 60 minute draw either way. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> Going Broadway. <laughs> uh, mean Gene asks about Mr. Perfect being in somebody's corner. Because uh, they built this up as Mr. Perfect being on the side of either the Warrior or Macho Man. Yeah. And Flair has played it up too. Yeah. And they kind of like ruined it because... During an episode of Primetime, I believe, it's uh, Warrior and Macho Man wrestling against the Nasty Boys. Yeah. So they team up finally. And uh, it gets it it gets perfect and Ric Flair involved. And they beat, like, both of them down. So it's yeah. like they kind of wrote it. And you know, like, Flair has beef with Macho Man for, like, the stuff with his wife. So why exactly. would he side? So yeah. Then they beat up Warrior. So... 
kind of ruined it off the bat. Yeah, and it's it, it it ended up working well because they they you know everybody involved is very charismatic and talented. Um, but it is kind of weird, like the logic behind it. Like, why would either of these strong baby faces want like this like cowardly heel in their corner anyway? Like, the only this, reason like, I could think is because they're both insane. Yeah, and that's true. That's so true. You know, Macho Man yeah. and and Warrior are just both insane guys. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. That's a good explanation. That's all. That's kayfabe. That's how we go. <laughs> Well, so basically they get to the the part of Mr. Perfect and whose side is he on? Who's it going to be? Yeah. And Ric Flair is like, oh, well, eh, he's not going to answer. Yeah. So that's the whole thing going on backstage the whole night of yeah. this pay-per-view. Um, we go to Sean Mooney and he's with Virgil, who's shadow boxing. And he's like nearly punching Sean in the face. Yeah. Sean's like, whoa. Uh, Virgil is going against the ex-convict Nails, and uh, he's doing his promo. Virgil is got coke nose. Yeah, uh, I don't know if anybody knows what that is. It's yeah, just when you just don't wipe your runny nose. <laughs> um, Virgil says he survived all the tough streets and around the world, and he's going on the biggest street. He's got that fuck money. Yeah, he's gonna survive it here at Wembley Stadium. Because you've got to want it, man. And he fakes punches at Sean Mooney again. And Sean Mooney's like, all right, okay. Um, Then he said he's going to do to Nails. Going to do on to Nails before Nails can do on to him. Uh, And he's too legit to quit. So he's saying all these catchphrases. Uh, And then he goes, let the games begin. (laughs) And then he fake punches Sean Mooney one last time. He's like, Like, how is that face like? I have, I have no idea. Just speak in cliches and, and threaten poor Sean Mooney. Yeah. Uh, then we get a ad for the 1-900-454-SLAM. Kids, get your parents' permission. The slam scam line. Yeah. yeah. Another scam. Yeah. Dollar forty nine. the first minute, 99 cents after that. What do you think they were trying to... Whose side is Mr. Perfect going to be on? I don't know. Mm. I never, like, even wanted to call. Like, I, I could I could see through it when I was a kid. Like, I knew I, they were never... My parents would never let me call anyway, but, like, I didn't even really, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's dumb. No. It wasn't necessary for me either. Yeah. I, I know I know a gimmick when I see it. Exactly. Um, In the ring already. Nails. Big entrance for Nails. Yeah. Virgil, light jog out to the ring. He's got a decent reaction here. Yeah. But uh, nothing nothing you want to see. 80,000 plus. No. Virgil, an excellent street fighter, I might add. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Thanks. Good to know. He's an excellent street fighter. <laughs> Doubt that. Uh, Nails just chokes him back and forth. Like, this is like just Nails choking that uh, was Virgil. That was his entire move set. Yeah, not not too good. Well, yeah. You want to explain nails? <sighs> nails. Do you know about nails? I don't know much about nails. Like pre WWF career. AWA was he big? Uh, he was a character um, by his name Kevin Kelly. Okay. Yeah. So he was a wrestler there, and then he comes over as this convict. Here, well, sorry. Escaped convict. Yes. Yeah. Escaped convict. Yeah. Um, 
Which, and, man, if you're an escaped convict, like uh, wrestling for a national company uh, and being promoted at arenas across across the USA is probably not the best way to lay low. Yeah. But, no, uh, and even, even in his promos, he's in jail saying that when he gets out, he's going to beat up Boss Man. Yeah. Who was... Uh, who was basically his CO before. Yeah. So Big Boss Man was the cop character. Yeah. So it was basically this game this is a gimmick created for Boss Man. Yeah, a a, a heel to go against. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe Nails could have been used as uh a different um different heel for other people, but it didn't go too well nah. for him. Nah. Um anyhow, Nails is here and he returned or he appeared in like June, July and attacked big Bo- boss man. Boss man. Yeah. And he put him out and he's got his nightstick and this is Virgil's opponent. And Virgil is getting choked out by him though. Um, Bad news for Virgil. Yeah. And then he, he eventually gets Virgil in like a reverse chokehold, not just like hands around his throat. One, yeah. two, three, four, five. It's a reverse chokehold, and he's like squeezing the life out of him. Virgil doesn't say anything. Ding, ding, ding. He's it's over. Um. So, Bobby says he's gonna hit Virgil's head like a cricket ball after the match because <laughs> nails grabs the baton. Yeah. Like a cr- he's trying to get these uh these British phrases in as much as he can yeah and he says now he's gonna kick his head off like a soccer ball (laughs) yeah um then we go backstage to lord alfred hayes and he's outside macho man's dressing room and he looks angry and he slams his hand on the door he says he's been on the case looking for the whereabouts of mr perfect and he believes he may be in macho man's room because door has been locked for quite some time (laughs) i've been waiting here yeah no but the door's been locked for quite some time. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe you missed it. Did yeah. you step away? I don't know. Uh, we shoot over to Mean Gene standing with Sherry Martell. And he's hyping the match between Rick the Model Martell and Shawn Michaels. And he calls Sherry a frequent companion of Shawn Michaels. That's the fuck, buddy. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what they called it in 92. <laughs> My frequent companion. Then they uh, show a flashback of Rick the Model Martell putting uh, Brett the Hitman Hart in a Boston Crab and Sean's ringside, and he par- punches Brett in the face. Brett, like, passes out. This is a face. This is like uh, a DQ. Yeah. So um, Rick the Model Martell is screwed out of that by Sean, but it was also because Sean and Brett kind of had that slight feud around yeah. that time, too. Yeah. So twofold. Um, yeah, a nice little package there. Sean keeps punching Brett in the face, and then the bell rings while uh, Rick has him in the Boston Crab, and he has his back turned, so he thinks he won, but he didn't. Yeah. Uh, then they cut to an episode of Wrestling Challenge, and Rick the Model Martell comes out during a match with Sean's, and Cherry is ringside with uh, Sean Michaels, because that's who she's with now. Yeah. Um, and... He gives her a wink and she's like, Hey, like winking back. Hey, she's into it. But, uh, mind you, Rick is wearing a fucking green beret with like (laughs) an Indian feather clipped on the side. Who wouldn't Uh, wink back? A green 
um, a green blazer with yeah. his wrestling gear, pink wrestling boots. He's the model, man. Yeah. Like, nice. The fashion sense is. <laughs> and before this, he's like uh, doing promos in like tennis courts and stuff yeah. <laughs> to, because they're doing like the, the open. Uh, so Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Good references. Wimbledon. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this match is built around them um, not wanting to punch each other in the face. Yeah, sort of a gentleman's agreement at the at the behest of uh, Sherry, who they're both trying to... Well, Rick's trying to win her over, and Sean's trying to keep her. Yeah. Um, and it's... It's a decent match. Yeah. For what it is. Yeah, they've um, got they've got good chemistry in the ring and there's a lot of uh a lot of, a lot of cool high uh, or a couple cool uh high flying spots. Uh but eventually it works its way back to the uh the face gimmick. Yeah. And they they break the rule the, yeah. or the gentleman's agreement that they had. Yeah. And they have to hit each other in the yeah. face. A lot of it before, like you said, you can tell it's a Shawn Michaels match because it's more Lucha Libre stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's not really like a Rick Martel match. But yeah. uh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff for Shawn. I, I just always think about what the match might have been between he and Brett if they were in the main event. Yeah, at SummerSlam. Yeah. That's the thing, though. I don't think they would have been in the main event. You don't think uh, so? I don't think, yeah. I, don't, I mean, maybe just because... Part of the reason the the they made the main event is because they want to push these younger guys with Hogan going and build new stars. But I don't think that happens if it's you know in Landover. I think if it's in Landover, then Warrior and uh, Savage are going on last. Yeah. Um. Uh, agreed. 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 Yeah. But uh, to your point, I mean, whether they're halfway through or the main event, it would have been would have been a tremendous match. Right. Um. We basically get all the Lucha stuff, like I said. And then uh, they're hitting each other in the face. Um, slap fight. Slap fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's just back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, they're getting tired of each other, rolling yeah. each other up and pulling the tights. Yeah. Um, and eventually, Sherry gets up on the apron. She's very upset. Yeah. And she faints. Wow. Yeah. So they're distracted by that. Yeah. And uh, Rick goes out first, right? No, I'm not sure who goes out first, but uh, they 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 both are outside attending to Sherry, um, and they're out there for a long time. Uh, they start they start fighting each other again. They, yeah, yeah. So they're out there for like 82 seconds before the ref finishes his uh, <laughs> his 10 count. Um, so anyway, but it it ends in a in a double a double count out of course. But uh, Sean, uh, Rick Rick finds his way to the back, uh, but Sean ends up picking up Sherry. So he's carrying her back towards the entrance way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when uh, McMahon drops a reference here that is kind of spooky. He goes. In the United States, there's a television program called Twin Peaks, but I've never seen anything this bizarre. Uh, which a couple things jump out at us watch, you know, watching that just now. First of all, we're, we're both big fans of Twin Peaks, so that's always cool. Uh, who would have known that Pete Martell was related to the uh, the old model Rick Martell? 
Um, but it's just cool that uh, you know they uh, they drop this reference now because you flash forward twenty five years, we're uh, you know halfway through the return of of uh, Twin Peaks and SmackDown has put out uh, two excellent Twin Peaks parody uh, segments in a row now with the Fashion Police and it's yep. just great stuff. Crazy. Yeah, so that's a cool that was a cool little uh, little reference there from Vinny Mac. Yeah. Um, I think it's because we're going back and forth in time, man. We might have done something with the timeline. Yeah. Something. Um, it's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting a little strange. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Sean picks up Sherry, and Rick knocks him over. Uh, well, no, no, no. They, they're fighting. The officials come out and separate them. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, that's when Pat and, Patterson comes out. Yeah, Pat Patterson. Makes his big return. Whew. He got rehired. Post-allegations, yeah. Real quick. So, yeah, that's when Rick gets sent back. And then as Sean is carrying her um, up the entranceway, that's when Rick comes back out of the entrance uh, with a uh, child's pale beach time fun um, bucket full of water. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of teases throwing the water on him a couple times, drags it out probably longer than it should have been. Way longer. Yeah. Fake, like, fake, like, fake. Am I going to do it? Is he going to do it? No. Is he going to throw the water? Oh, no. Spoiler. He th- he do thro- it or don't. Yeah, he throws the water. And uh, the, this, of course, miracu- miraculously revives Sherry, who just is woken up to an arena, or stadium, rather, of 80,000 people. And uh, – they all uh, essentially just dropped again. Yeah, he took some bumps. Oh, that that last bumps. drop. Tell me about the last drop. Yeah, it's uh, Sean. Basically, I mean, Sherry's not. Sherry's not too light. Um, she's a plump lady, <laughs> and Sean has to pick her up, and then he basically fireman carries her yeah. afterwards because uh, every time Martell just runs up behind. And she just slams right on her ass. And it's just the carpet there. Yeah. Yeah. Not not good. She could have broke a tailbone. So this is a eight minute double double count out match and Yeah. More storyline. It could have been could have been a good match. Um could have been a better match if it was more, you know, if they got more time and there wasn't as much with the the whole Sherry thing. Yeah. All right, after the Sean and uh, Rick match, we go backstage with the Nasty Boys. Ah, jeez. And I don't know why this is on the network, because yeah. they're talking about the match from before, yeah. which we don't even get to see. Yeah. Um, and they're saying that they want a number one contender title shot. But the way that they're like breathing and just out of breath, it's just like, they're so crazy. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy Hart's like, okay. I, I, I'll get you a, a, your your title shot, your number one contenders. Okay, and that's what's leading us next is the natural disasters, earthquake, and typhoon going against the Beverly Brothers. Oh, Blake and Blow, Blake and Blow, Blake nice. and Blow, Blake and Bow. Yeah, uh, they're joined by the genius, who's Macho Man's brother. Yes, um, Beverly Brothers. They're two guys. 
I have no clue about, but they're draped in purple. Yeah, so much purple. So much purple. Yeah. Natural disasters, earthquake, and typhoon. They were heels before. Yeah. Then they turned face. And then they ended up winning these tag team titles at a house show. Did you know that? I think I think I remember hearing that they won them at a house show. They won them from Money, Inc.? Yeah. 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 So... Just because, like we said, sales were down. Yeah. Um, they wanted to boost that up. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, they like they like to do that from time to time. Is you know, we talked about most recently with uh, AJ and Kevin Owens. But yeah, just like that that house show title change once in a blue moon is enough to give that air of like, hey, if you're at a house show, it it could happen. Yeah, it could. If you're in Des Moines, it's probably not going to happen. But you know, <laughs> anything could happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Exactly. That's what they want to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Uh, so the natural disasters are now the tag team champions. So this is a tag team championship match. It's 10 minutes. It's boring as hell. Oof. I don't like this at all. The only good part is when Earthquake comes in for the hot tag. Yeah. He does like a belly to belly. He does a, like a karate kick. He yeah. Splash in the corner. It's off the chain in this match. Yeah. Tenta is going crazy. Dude. Yeah. Really good. All right. So he, he gets a power slam on Bo, and then we get an earthquake stomp splash, and he squishes the hell out of this dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, like, doesn't do it like his normal way. He basically slips and, like, just lands all oh. ass on chest. Oh, my gosh. Um, then we get the match that we've all been waiting for. Yeah. This is the one. Oh, the one. The one. When, you this... know, like the mega powers exploded. <laughs> the great, when, yeah. When Hogan and Warrior. Yeah, face to face. Hogan and Andre. Yeah, Hogan and Andre. Rock and, then, and Cena. Yep. And then we have Repo and Crush. Kona Crush. Wow. Yeah. It's the demolition explode. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is a terrible match. Awful. They repackaged the demolition basically earlier in '91 after the split. Um. Yeah. Bill Eady, the other member, Axe, yeah, went away, and Smash because he comes was, back. Yeah, because he was like 89 years old. And, yeah, he's pretty old, and I wasn't that old. But uh, yeah, he, they he was was super old, and so yeah, they break up demolition, and we get uh. An unfortunate gimmick for uh, for old uh, for old Smash. Yep, the Repo Man. Yeah, so he steals things, and he lost a lot of muscle mass too. He did. He looks way different. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, because he's he looks like uh, he's kind of got that James Ellsworth build. Mm-hmm. It looks like. Um, but yeah, he's in there um, with like this cartoonish little uh, burglar mask and. Um, and uh, Crush gets the far better uh, gimmick. He's just like a uh, a blonde, beach blonde Hawaiian, and uh, sort of coming in as that uh, that that big superhero type. Yep. Um, looking looking all right too. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I think I liked him as a kid. Yeah, I, I liked thought... him in Demolition definitely. Yeah. So this is like a nothing match, man. It, um, the definition of a nothing match. Belly to belly suplexes. Repo Man tries to attack Crush. 
jumps off the top rope. Yeah. Um, Crush catches him and then gives him the brain. The cranium crunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vicious. That's just like the Grey Kali skull. Yeah. Yeah. The vice. Mm-hmm. Then we're backstage with me, Gene, and we're moments away. We're moments away. We are moments away from finding out who's it going to be. Right. Then we get a build for Warrior Macho. Whose side is Mr. Perfect on? Um, then Heenan and, Goss- and Vince gossip about the match beforehand. And, um, yeah, yeah. Th- they're hyping it some. Yeah, because he's trying to he's trying to get Heenan to spill the beans because Flair and Perfect are his boys, you know, and uh, Heenan's just not giving up. He, and McMahon's like, "What? what did, did you just did you just signal? Did you what?" Just trying trying so hard to get it. Is out it of an him. ultimate warrior? Ah. He, like shakes his head. He's like, "It is. Ah, it is." Doesn't make sense either way, Vince. <laughs> it's not very. It's not very. It's not booked very well. Sorry. Um, then we get the ultimate warrior against Randy Savage for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Big rematch. The last time these two faced each other, of course, was WrestleMania 7. And a retirement match. Short retirement for Randy, of course, but uh, that's a classic uh, WrestleMania moment. Yep. It goes back to Royal Rumble yeah. um, of the previous year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macho Man cost when Macho Man was a heel, mm-hmm. he cost Ultimate Warrior the title. Yeah, and uh, then we get that rematch where the career is on the line, like you said, and but he gets reinstated shortly after in, in November. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he had some, you know, he had some personal business to take care of with Jake the Snake. So, uh, hey, that's how it works in the wrestling business. Yeah, man, you can get right back in. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's okay to retire. It's all right to leave. The door is always open. I think there's an open door policy on wrestling. Yeah, you always. just have to leave for a little bit and grow a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing for Randy. He already had a beard. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So now Randy Macho Man Savage is the face and the uh, champion. And Ultimate Warrior is also a face. Yeah. We don't really get this face face too much, but no. The last two years we did, which yeah. was interesting, which I kind of liked, and we're getting it twice tonight. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean it. And this the build to this one was cool because they played, you know, Flair and and Perfect perfectly <laughs> uh, as as the heels in this equation. So it works out. Um, and it's, and, and that also sort of separates it from the, the other face face matchup in the, uh, in the main event. Mm-hmm. So it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good angle and a good build. And, uh, the package does a good job of, uh, sort of summing that up. Yeah. So, uh, I can't tell you the crowd is nuts for both of these guys, Yeah, but during the match, they kind of choose uh warrior mainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get, I was a huge warrior fan myself yeah i I loved him over hogan um what about yourself yeah probably over hogan for sure but i mean like by the time i was like really getting into wrestling uh the warrior was already gone and and brett was the guy so I, i mean i do uh i do remember like uh 
you know, having uh, the the Ultimate Warrior action figure and sort of being interested and in, uh, just the whole the whole facade. But I was never too big of a Warrior fan. I was okay. I was more of a Macho Man fan for sure. More relatable. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So we got these two guys going up here. Twenty eight minutes, man. It's a long one. I'm not going to cover the whole thing because I can't do it justice. Go watch this on the WWE Network. Yeah. Please. Um, just jump into part of this match. The ref is down. Um, he gets hit from Macho Man slinging Ultimate Warrior into the corner. Then we get a double axe handle from the Ultimate Warrior to Macho Man, and he covers him. And we get the classic Earl Hebner count. <laughs> yeah. So one, two, put your knee up, and slam on your chest. Yeah, which I had never noticed, and you... Uh you know, enlightened me to this tonight and yeah, it'll it'll change the way you watch any match that uh old Uncle Earl uh is officiating. Yeah, it just uh gives it away all the time. Yeah. He leans on his knees, preparing to fall on his chest to to like have that near fall. Um he he gets progressively worse in the attitude era, yeah. but this is this is one where you can definitely tell. Um then we get Flair and Perfect. They're ringside in this match. Flair comes in because Hebner's down. Yeah. Um, and he's got brass knuckles. And he hits Macho. I mean, he hits... He's got brass knuckles. And he hits the Warrior. And then Macho comes in. And he gives... The Warrior that patented elbow. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, Hebner does his famous Hebner count once again. And Warrior kicks out of the elbow. This isn't like the uh, WrestleMania where it's like six elbows or no, yeah, not not too over the top with the repeated finishers. Yeah, it's just building for this. Uh, Warrior starts hawking up. Macho Man's hammering him down, and Warrior does his patented comeback, and it's yeah. clothesline after clothesline, and then a big shoulder block. Yep. Then he gets a gorilla press press slam, and he runs the ropes. But he gets hit with a chair from Mr. Perfect on the Black. outside. Yeah. Ooh. It's like the worst chair spots, too. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't recommend beating a chair into a man. But uh, if you're going to do it, you got to do it better than that flare. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, even even with it just being a, a shot to the back, it's still like. And I'm just being fair. Yeah. You got to. That's not fair to flare. <laughs> um. Then Macho up, and Perfect grabs his leg, but he kicks back at him. Uh, and he gets on the turnbuckle, and he's, like, questioning to go for his elbow once again. But he jumps down onto Flair, and Flair swipes him in the knee with the chair. Ooh. Then we get the uh, count out. Yeah. This is a fast count from the referee, despite what we saw earlier. Yeah, different. Yeah, Earl is. Uh, he's not getting paid by the hour here, so he's 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 more than uh, content to get this this show on the road. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like they flare and perfect. They build up this whole whose side are they going to be on? And they basically just come out and fuck both of them up. Yeah, um, getting the um, figure four on Macho Man, yeah. and then beating down on the Warrior while he's in the ring. And then finally, uh, I'm sorry, beaten down on Macho Man. And then finally, Warrior up from being down in the ring. 
comes after them. Yeah. And uh, chases them off with a chair, chucks the chair at Flair, but uh, luckily it didn't hit anybody. Yeah. Still. Could have been bad. Uh, Warrior comes back and then he grabs the title. And Vince is like, what's he going to do? And Gorilla's like, I mean, uh, Heenan, sorry, Heenan's like, he's going to he's gonna knock his head off. <laughs> and uh, Warrior helps Macho Man up. Um, and Heenan's like, clothesline him, clothesline him, clothesline <laughs> him. And they embrace. Yeah. And uh, he gives them the title. And they walk each other down the aisle. They're yeah. friends. Yeah, the two baby faces uh, walk out, still uh, still his faces. Um, and they really play up Savage's leg injury, uh, which is uh, comes to be important in the, uh, in the next uh, few weeks when Flair eventually uh, beats Savage uh, to regain the title and um, as a result of the leg injury. And so where they're trying to yeah, go... Man. September 1st. Yeah, so like two days later at the, at the next Superstar State. And then they thing. played it at the next night's... Uh, taping yeah event. yeah so. so right after that um and so they're eventually trying to build to warrior versus flair which would have been cool that that could have been a good feud i feel like mm-hmm. um but warrior of course ends up having his issues with the company and uh hits the road but that would have been an interesting uh dynamic between those two. Oh yeah um i i could see i could definitely see flair like playing off of warrior stuff you know yeah um and it being sold beautifully yeah um you just like picture flair like begging off while warrior is doing his whole like like looking up to the sky thing yeah it could be it could have been it could have been a good feud yeah so during the match september 1st 1992 hershey pennsylvania it's razor ramon that comes out he debuts um the bad guy. And yeah. he, he's he's involved with the match. Um, Bret Hart claimed in a 2014 interview that WWF owner Vince McMahon had worked out a title change match with Flair and Savage beforehand and that he was angry when they returned to the dressing room after the match because they had failed to do much of what was agreed upon. McMahon was angry that he actually made them go straight back and redo the entire match. Holy crap. Wow. Um, yeah, after producing much of the same match um, that they did right before that, McMahon was fucking pissed. And he threw his headset down and, like, stormed off. Holy shit. No, I didn't I didn't know about that. Yeah. That would um, be weird to be in the crowd for. <laughs> like, oh, they just, they're just back out here. We're just, they're, they're redoing the match. Holy shit. Um, and we're going to time travel again later this year yeah. in november we're gonna go to the survivor series yes. of 1992 yes. the 25th anniversary of that leading into survivor series 1992 there's gonna be some more stuff with macho man and the ultimate warrior yep. and rick flair razor ramon all those guys so uh we'll catch up on that next time yeah yeah look forward to that that's another really good show yeah all right the next match it's the Undertaker against Kamala. Uh, Kamala. Yeah. Very like personal favorite of mine. Like I don't know why. I just he's just so goofy. Uh, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a Kamala fan. Um, 
from the dark continent of Africa. That's how they oh. announced it. Yeah. Oh, they... Yes, they did. Oh, no. So I I can't defend that. No, I mean, not that I would anyway. That I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, like my love of Kamala. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's just there's got to be a better way to say that. Yeah. Um, Kamala was cool when I, I when yeah. I was a kid. I liked him too. A big, yeah, big black guy with the 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 leopard skirt on yeah. and uh, the moon and the sun. Yeah, star hand. star on either. Uh, yeah, chest. I, was, I yeah. was a fan, man. Yeah, yeah, and the Undertaker too. This was probably a big important match for me at the time. Yeah, not anymore. It's no, another yeah. Undertaker monster match. Yeah, yeah, it's three minutes long. Uh, just pretty much builds to one spot. Yep. And it's a disqualification. Yeah. Um, he's building for the uh, Tombstone file driver. Yeah. And he gets him up finally. And Kimchi, who is actually the Brooklyn Brawler. Yep. Under the mask. Um, smashes the Undertaker in the side. And then Kamala gets him from behind and splashes him a couple times. And he's walking down the aisle. And Undertaker does the sit up. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Yeah. The only thing good about this was really the entrance too. Undertaker's awesome entrance yeah, with com- the uh, hearse. Yeah, standing up over the hearse. Yeah, that that was cool. And they have a coffin and everything. Yeah, and it, it's it's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, moving right along, the dark match that was involved here. The dark yes. continent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from the Dark Continent matches. Uh, yeah, this is Tatanka defeating the Berserker with Mr. Fuji. Nice. Five minutes. Man, and the Berserker, of course, would go off to have his uh, Hell's Angels parties with uh, with, with Hawk. Uh, Berserker was weird. He was pretty much just a Bruiser Brody ripoff. Yeah, right? I um, thought he was him for the longest time when I was younger. Nah, yeah. Yeah, I was just so confused, and then I got into the uh, internet wrestling community. Yeah. It's a common misconception. I mean, down to the furry boots and the huss, huss, huss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he was he was sort of an odd character, but yeah, and Tatanka was getting pushed, getting pushed pretty hard at this point. Yep, he had just came in. He's on that winning streak, yeah. so... Awesome, yeah. Quick little, quick little dark match. All right. Weird to have a dark match in the middle of the show, or like right before the main event. But they well, had... I think it was a cooler match because that uh, that Undertaker was so hot, and yeah. then the uh, sorry, I'm not the Undertaker. The Ultimate Warrior and the Macho yeah. Man match yeah. was so hot. They needed like two cooler matches. Um, yeah, in between. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I guess so. I really. Probably could have preferred seeing Papa Shango, or I still say maybe Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers against the Nasty Boys and uh, the Mountie. Yeah, they're I mean, all kind of better wrestlers. They are, they are, and they're all they're all seasoned veterans, and they they you know they probably put on a pretty decent little tag there. And then maybe this match too, Tatanka and the Berserker. Yeah, might have been more exciting than. Um, Say the pop, I mean, sorry, say the Nails and Virgil match. Or Repo versus Crush. Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) Replace those two with the other two. All right, this is it. This is what we're all here for. The main event. Yes. 
the family. It's There's some strife going through. Yeah, yeah, some tension between uh, brother and uh, brother-in-law. Bro- brother-in-law. Yeah, it's Brett the Hitman Hart, the Intercontinental Champion, against the British Bulldog, and he's the hometown boy, Davy yeah. Smith, Davy Boy Smith, and he's married to Diana Smith, who yeah. gets introduced here, yeah. along with a lot of the other members of the family. I think this is the first time that we kind of see this for Brett as a character, right? Yeah, I mean. I th- Think I think they cut to um, Stu and Helen at SummerSlam the previous year when he wins the Intercontinental title. But this is the first time that family is like really getting involved in the storyline. Yeah, uh, which even meant, like Bruce Hart gets a promo. Yeah, yeah, what? exactly. Yeah. yeah, so this is sort of the beginning of like the Hart family being a focal point of the storyline. Which man, they would continue to be right right through right through the end of 97 Mm -hmm. and i wonder if um owen would have gotten involved with this but he was out with a knee injury yeah injury right now so yeah um yeah this this is um british bulldog is the number one contender for the intercontinental championship but he's the brother-in-law of brett the hitman Hart. so there's some family strife so they bring them all in and um we get some compelling interviews back and forth yeah and uh, this whole time, though, Brett is trying to get a hold of Davey, but he can't in pre-preparation for the match. Um, he's I'm going to play basically a segment from Kayfabe Commentaries that just yeah. came out. Awesome. And uh, he explains what's going on with Bulldog and everything with the match. It's a it's a it's a pretty screwed up time for Davey. He's got serious drug problems that nobody knows about, I guess, have maybe Davey. Um, <clears throat> all I know is that Davey gets injured or supposedly injured. I never bought that he was injured. He um, supposedly got injured with a staph infection and went home probably about well, the first week of July. And it was off the whole summer. He was just gone. And it was it was too bad because um, I only just found out that we were working. And we had a, I think it was the same weekend I wrestled in Binghamton. I know I wrestled Davey. I, Vince had us, we had a match. They put us together just to kind of get a feel for feel each other out match mm-hmm. before Wembley. I'm thinking it was probably middle of July. I know it was just before Davey went home, but um, maybe it was even June. I know I wrestled him, and it was awful. Our timing was wrong. It was it was a real struggle. And I remember when I came back, and Vince looked at me, and I came past him. He said, "I hope it's going to be better than that at SummerSlam." And because uh, I think he had already, we had talked earlier that night about we were going to go on last at Wembley. Now we were going to be the last match on the card. And I remember telling him, "I said nobody will top us. It's going to be the best match, guaranteed, on the card." And uh, so then we had this abortion out there. And when I walked past Vince, he was like, I hope it's going to be better than that at SummerSlam. And I was like, I hope so too. You know, I don't know what, you know. And sometimes that happens when you work with each other for the first time. You try too hard or you're both too tired. It was at a TV taping. So we got a lot of, you know, you do promos all day. And you can be really distracted. And it's not a good way to judge how you're going to do. So I, I know for me, I got real serious about the match right away. Once I knew that we were wrestling, I saw it as the opportunity to 
deliver the greatest match ever. That I could, if Davey followed me and listened to me, I could take him through and we could have the best match maybe ever. You know, we could really steal a show and really make our mark in the business. <clears throat> and um, so I, I would train and tan in the tanning beds. And I remember I would go in the tanning bed and I would lie down and I would envision the whole match. The tie-up, the first tie-up, takeover to the rest, every spot that followed, what would come up next. And if I ran into a wall, we're like, okay, what would I do next? And I'd think about it and then I'd come up with the idea. And then, anyway, I gradually kind of put an entire match together in my head. And every time I laid down, I could, I could just, I could start it from the beginning. It's the identical match that you watch. I mean, it's, it's the match. And I remember going, it's perfect. I got this perfect match. I don't need to change anything. I just need to tell Davey. And I would call Davey. I called him for the whole month of August. I call him every day. And I could never get him. He was always out or never returned my calls. I talked to my sister, Diana. He had some real bad uh, drug problems at the time and was totally out of reach. And I think even when he um, left. How much is Diana aware of? I think she's pretty much got to be aware of all of it. Um, I know that Davey, when he got on the plane, he had been up for almost 48 hours, hadn't been to sleep. He'd been on a coke binge till, and then barely got on the flight that flew to London. And I hadn't talked. I called and called and called, and I kept getting, I couldn't get an answer, couldn't get him to call me, and I kept thinking, I don't know what the hell he's doing. You know, this is, he should talk to me just so I can tell him what's going on, you know, and, uh, I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to make him. The match is all about putting him over. And uh, I remember when I saw him in the dressing room in Wembley, we had to do the interviews the day before. All the interviews, the one about the, I think I said something about London Castle or something like that on my promo. That was all done the Saturday. They were all done the day before mm -hmm. the promos for the, for the show, the SummerSlam. Okay. <clears throat> and... Um, I was so mad at him, and I pulled him aside, and I was like, I said, I've been trying to call you for two months. Where the hell have you been? And, the, the, you know. and then he just confessed to me that he'd been up for, he hadn't slept since he got there, and he was, he was a wreck, and he hadn't trained, he hadn't lifted weight. And he was out of shape, and he was, he was a wreck. And he confessed to me that he was going to stink the next day, that he was going to. And I said, I started telling him the match. I started, I said, this is what I want to do. And I started to sit down. I said, and then we're going to do this and this. And I told him the whole match. And he was like, he knew that I had finally, I brought, I was like, like, like Beethoven. I brought him the, 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 the music sheet. And he was like, he knew it was going to be this great match, but I don't think he thought he could do it. But I laid it all out to him and I went over and over with him that night in the dressing room until he left and went home, went to his hotel. and. I got there the next day and we went over it and went over it and went over it and even then when as soon as we <laughs> as soon as we tied up in the ring I remember um I think it was the very first spot we did I took him over in a side headlock or something and he goes I'm fucked I'm fucked he can't couldn't remember anything he was like blank and that's one of the only matches where you see Bret Hart talking on it where you, you never catch Bret Hart talking in his matches but you will catch me in Wembley and it's like cuz I had a I had such a great match in my head, and I had to communicate it to him. And, uh, and a lot of times, you just had to call it, and you had to just, you know, which I hate doing. I hate wrestlers that I see him talking. And to me, it's an automatic fail for that. But I, with Davey, I had to do it, and uh, I did a pretty good job of masking it for most of it. But were you confident that you could pull this off, especially the day before when you see him and he's telling you he's in no condition? 
Are you sure? No, I was furious at him. I was, I couldn't believe it. There's a chance of his lifetime. And he's, and I'm willing to, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to launch him as high as I can. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to get Davey, make sure he's, you know, as far as I know, he's getting the belt and he's going to get this big push. And it's going to be his, maybe he's going to be the next champion. Maybe this is his final, you know, I was all gung-ho for him. And uh, I really wanted to see him rise to the occasion. And you know what? He did rise to the occasion. You know, that's the thing about it is I mm -hmm. tell all this to people and they go, oh, so they lose a little respect for Davey and, and fair enough, you can. But the truth is, is that he sucked it up and he did every spot. He did everything and he showed it at the very end. You know, I paced him well enough, and I can remember he's power slamming me at the end, press slamming me over his head, and suplexing me. And you know, he he got everything done, and I take great credit. I think it was my greatest match in the sense that I carried someone for about 42 minutes of a 45-minute match, and then um, you can barely tell. Maybe only now you can tell, but I think that's why it makes mm. it more important to watch, is because you know he was uh, he was a train wreck that day, and. Uh, for, for a long time, and I know in Davey's case, he's always said it was the greatest match he ever had. And uh, I think it was one of, one of the greatest matches of all time, for sure. Was your dropping to him exclusively to free you up for the world title spot? No, no. In fact, I don't think anybody saw but me. I, I, uh, I understood the dynamics of everything. I was, it was, it's hard to say all this now or make people believe that you knew what you were doing, but I had a crystal clear vision. The second, all I wanted to do was the ladder match or the Wembley match, either one of them. I just wanted to take another, have one more classic, beautiful mm -hmm. match that would just launch me up there. So I would have had Perfect, I would have had Piper, I would have had Davey, or it could have be whoever it is, but I want to have one more big match. And uh, that would sort of, I think, would tip me over as far as being a, a, a star, like would give me a real mm -hmm. push. And um, All right, so... Let's go to the pre-match stuff where they got some pre-match interviews. And what I noticed here is because of what they talked about with Davey Boy smoking crack mm -hmm. and not being prepared for this match, uh, Diana looks terrified. Yeah. And it looks like she's worried because it's like her brother who she looks up to and everything and her husband and he's been fucking up. Yeah. And this is a big moment on live TV. Yeah. Um, 80,000 people. It's real pressure other yeah. than just the brother versus brother. Thing. Yeah. It's it's the biggest match of uh, Davy Boy's career for sure. And uh, and it's, you know, Diana does a great job because they, they cut back to her throughout the match with a picture in picture. And, you know, she looks concerned, but to your point, it's it's real concern because she doesn't know like what Davy Boy is gonna you know do to himself in there with the condition that he's been in. Yep, and this is like a make it or break it time for him too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see if he can make it or break it. <laughs> um, let's go to some pre-match interviews right now. Smith, you have got to be feeling enormous pressure going into this match for the Intercontinental Championship. You will be stepping into the ring with your brother-in-law. Obviously, this match has torn both sides of the family apart. First of all, your thoughts on the family pressures you are facing now? Well, I'm facing a lot of pressures in the family, Sean. But I didn't make this match. Jack Tunney made this match. But the British Bulldog 
as Ford heard for two long years to be the number one contender for the Intercontinental belt. Yes, Brett, you are the Intercontinental champion. Yes, Brett, you are my brother-in-law. But when I step in the ring with you, Brett, I never met you. I don't even know you. But at the end of the match, I just hope the families reunite. British Bulldog, that brings me to my second point, one that may even bring even more pressure on you. The fact that you will be stepping out into that stadium in front of 80,000 of your fellow countrymen. Sean, <laughs> that isn't a pressure. That's a dream for the British Bulldog. And my second dream is, at the end of the match, the British Bulldog will be the next World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. Let's go over to Mean Gene. Well, I've got to agree with my broadcast colleague, Sean Mooney. Indeed, there is a great deal of pressure for this Intercontinental title bout. However, the pressure for the champion, you, Brett the Hitman Hart, much different than the pressure on the challenger, the British Bulldog. For him to win this coveted title, he must either make you submit or get the pinfall. One, two, three in the center of the ring. And then, of course, there's the question of the family pressure. Let me tell you something, Gene. As far as family pressure goes, I've proven that I work real well under pressure. But you know something really bugs me, that really irks me, is the British Bulldog actually has the gall to come out here and say that when he steps in the ring with me, that he's never met me, that he doesn't know me. Well, let me tell you something, British Bulldog. Take a good look in my face and look me in the eye and tell me you don't know me. Do you remember that far back, British Bulldog, when I was the one that introduced you to my sister Diana in the first place? And as far as your career in the World Wrestling Federation, I'm the one that helped you the most. You wouldn't be where you are in the World Wrestling Federation if it wasn't for me. Talk about gratitude. You know, the British Bulldog forgets he's the one that wanted to challenge me. He's the one responsible for all the family tension. He's the one that wanted a shot at the gold. Well, you know something? The British Bulldog, he wanted the big fight. He's got the big fight. And as far as his big dream, you know what I think of his big dream? This big dream of his of, of winning the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental title in front of 80,000 of his compatriots. Well, you know, I think this big dream of his is going to turn into a nightmare. And then tomorrow morning when he wakes up, he's going to think he woke up in the dungeon. Windsor Castle. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time I would like to introduce to you the Balmoral Highlanders. What in the world? How about this? Yeah, this is the segment where Roddy Roddy Piper makes his big return. Um, he had left after WrestleMania 8. And he's coming back as a surprise to play the bagpipes here. And uh, he can actually play. It's, a, it's an interesting bit. Crowd goes wild for him. Would have been nice to see him wrestle. Alright, now this is the match. This is the big one. This is it. The night is set, finally. And I love throughout this open 
dome area we get to see like the daylight yeah and how the the evening set during repo and yeah. crush that epic match it was dusk there <laughs> you know settling yeah just uh man couldn't uh pick two better people to have that epic uh sunset match like two cowboys in the old west yeah now i've always the been last a... outlaws yeah <laughs> I've always been a fan of uh, outdoor shows, especially the ones that start during the day. I I thought that was really cool at uh, WrestleMania 31 out in uh, San Francisco area. Um, Getting to see that, you know, progression of the evening. Hog wild, road wild. Those uh, cool for the open air. Not so cool for like the sea of like drunk and shitty bikers who couldn't care less about what was going on okay well let me ask you this would you would you uh, some some of them were involved with some of the matches in the wcw stuff they were there everybody would play their their everybody would start their bikes (laughs) play their play their little instruments yeah Yeah. (laughs) everybody would uh rev their bikes during the road wild hog wild stuff but here at wembley stadium what's going on (laughs) Oh man, so we have one outstanding fan who decided to bring an air horn to SummerSlam 1992. <laughs> and just the entire night, almost every match, just like <laughs> the entire night. And it's, it, it, I mean, when you sit down and watch the show start to finish, it, it's, it's so grating. The whole time, the entire time, and like, it's and even like, the the crowd gets into it sometimes too. That's the thing; the crowd keeps feeding into it, like, the, and that's <laughs> what, <laughs> keeps going. Yeah, yeah. It's just, man, who who would win? Uh, you know, eighty thousand fans at the second biggest show of the year, or one guy with an air horn? So that crowd or road wild crowd, hog wild crowd. I'm gonna go. I would still rather be in in that crowd because i feel like if i was if you're there in the building you probably can't hear the air horn as well or maybe not i don't yeah. I don't know i'd still take it over bikers okay yeah all right good stuff <laughs> you're so you're not riding with a hawk and berserker no i'm to not go to road five. yeah no i'm not i'm not hanging out with them uh with the uh Lo- the london <laughs> hell's angels which just so happened to be hanging out Ooh, what if the london hell's angels have the on their bikes holy shit (laughs) little little uh bicycle horn yeah it all comes through yeah all right all right okay so brett and bulldog are out yep this is it main event time diana's ringside um lennox lewis is out with the union jack flag yeah uh, accompanying british bulldog too pretty cool Yeah. yeah Famous boxing champion at yeah, the time. Definitely. Get involved with Mike Tyson, who would eventually come into the end, uh, latter part of our timeline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the cool, it's cool um, when they bring in somebody who's still relevant like that. Um, you know, and Lennox Lewis was very much in his prime in 92. Oh, yeah. Um, Davey Boy definitely gets a bigger pop here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. hometown. Yeah. But still a good reaction for Brett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you need to watch this match. It's twenty five minutes. It's awesome. Yeah. Classic. Um obviously we know that Bulldog is fucked and he's <laughs> on crack 
and immediately after the first headlock, he looks up to Brett and says, I'm fucked. So he doesn't remember the spots that they've been going over for the last, or Brett's been trying to go over for the last two months. Yeah. Um, terrible. Yeah, it gets Just blo- like Brett said earlier. Yeah. Not yeah. good. It gets blown up pretty quickly, too. And You can tell. Uh, this yeah. is the only match, again, where, like Brett said, where he's he's talking. Yeah. Um, he's it's, he's use, utilizing the headlock a lot, side waist lock, uh, any time to talk to Davey and slow it down a little bit. Yeah. But it's great pacing all the way through. Yeah. Um, you need to watch this. I'm just going to jump into the one part. Yeah. Brett tangled into the ropes after Bulldog uh, moves when Brett tries to go for his patented like over the top where they yeah. both collide. Um. And then British Bulldog clotheslines him, gives him a power slam, gives him a suplex, where they're hanging for like almost ten seconds. Yeah, that's... then we get a one, two, no, yeah, that powerful spot. Definitely crazy, crazy spot. Even uh, even being like um, nearly you know seventeen minutes into the match, uh, you know, and coked out, cracked out, He's still got the power. Yeah. You know? Um, then he lifts Brett up and we get him swinging Brett into the turnbuckle and Brett does that patented turnbuckle spot. We get a pin right after that. One, two, man, this turned like an NJPW match. Yeah. Like it. Um, British Bulldog poses and gets a reaction from the the fans there. They're loving it. They're eating them up the whole time and they're cutting back and forth to Diana too, who has like tears in her eyes. She's. She's great during this match, honestly. She is, yeah. Um, then we get set up for the running power slam. This is Bulldog's finisher, man. One, two, kick out. <sighs> Bret Hart, the only person to kick out of the power slam at the time. That's true, yeah. That's a big feather in the cap. Yeah, and Bret's uh, still getting up. He's going towards the ropes, and uh, Bulldog pushes his head, and he's outside of the ropes, and he's up bulldog grabs him to suplex in but it's reversed from brett a lovely belly to back german suplex yeah one two no wow this is a great match uh then we go to the top rope both of them then we get that super suplex <sighs> one two no. no oh my gosh and this is way better because it's joey morella as the referee yeah Man, Joey Morello was so good. And yes, had, and didn't didn't tip. Yeah, rest in peace, man. He, I think he would probably still. He was young. Unfortunately, he passed away in a car crash on the road. Fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, uh, after leaving a show. Yeah, so and the it, son of the adopted son of Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So probably would still be involved with uh, with WWF if he were still around. But he was he was a great great referee. And didn't tip his cap every time. <laughs> You're yeah. heading for a false finish, like uh, like our buddy Earl. Um, so back to the match, we get um, both these guys running the ropes. We get the duck, the swing, then we get a double clothesline. Brett applies the sharpshooter while they're both laying down back to back. Yeah, and uh, he turns it over, and he's got the sharpshooter locked on. Yeah, somehow figures it out. Um, and there's a Funny story uh, that Brett has told or somehow made its way out there is that it's in his book. It's in his book. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
where he uh, was you know planning this match out the weeks before while he's trying to get a hold of Davey, and he comes up with the idea for this spot of putting the sharpshooter on when they're both down, uh, waking up at three in the morning. It just sort of comes to him. And he's laying in bed next to his wife Julie, and he wakes he wakes Julie up so he can practice the spot on her. Can you play this out again? <laughs> just imagine Brett like Julie. Julie, wake up! Wait. What? <laughs> what is it? Wait, wait, wake up! I gotta, I gotta put, I gotta try to put the sharpshooter on you. What? I gotta try, uh, J- Julie. Huh? I got, I gotta, I gotta try a spot. The what? Get, get Julie, get on the floor. <laughs> the, the fuck, Brett? <laughs> Just the, the, the. Dis- I'm gonna lay at the end of the bed. <laughs> yeah. Just the yeah. absurdity of yeah. applying your wife in a sharpshooter. Yeah. Nothing sexual. No, yeah. All right, now, now give me your leg. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just the the absurdity of of, of that is... It definitely it, ends with, ow, ow, yeah. ow! <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's definitely going to work. work. Calls Davey, no answer. No. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Davey was doing all that stuff with Neidhart, too. Yeah. So. Man. Because he's off because he doesn't have a tag partner right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, yeah, the absurdity of that. And then, but Brett does it. It's beautifully, beautifully done. He does this in a Razor Ramon match, too. Yeah. Uh, later on. It's a hell of a spot. Yeah. Locked on. British Bulldog grabs the ropes. Wow. Then these guys run the ropes one more time. We get a sunset flip from Brett to Davy Boy. Davy Boy sits down on Brett's chest. One, two, three, cradling the legs. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like awesome as hell. But yeah. seriously, the crowd goes wild. They should have played the music. That's right. They don't play the music. It was just kind of flat for me as a reaction because the music gets people hype too. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, they were hyped, but it just didn't play off right right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but the crowd is going wild. Yeah. And Diana's celebrating everything. <clears throat> Davey Boy gets the title, and he's looking at the title, and he's like, yeah, it's finally mine. He's doing He's like, you can see he's, he's proud of himself for what the fuck he just did, yeah. especially for being up for like three, two days. He pulled it off. Yeah, he did it. And he's probably like, all right, big crack crack coming up. <laughs> Just one big hit. Let's <laughs> celebrate. Um, just one big hit, man. <laughs> 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 I had to. That's good. That's good. So uh, basically, uh, Brett's getting up to... Um, Struggling to get to his feet. Yeah. And Bulldog comes over, gives him the hand. Brett doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And then he does. And they rejoice. And the crowd pops. Yeah. For the big time. And then the music goes off. Yeah. And they had the, just that display of sportsmanship. And Diana hits the ring. And yeah, they all celebrate together. And it's just like a good, <clears throat> it's the moment that they were looking for. Um, you know, in light of all the scandals and everything, they wanted to play up sportsmanship. They wanted to play up family values. And so you get this terrific. I definitely remember being emotional watching this as a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you get these two, this family reunited um, in celebration for what they just accomplished. Um, and they got, you know, you got a little bit of, a little bit, a little bit of pyro, got the sparklers going. And uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a fantastic ending scene to the show. Beautiful. And this is a great pay-per-view. Um, not all the way through, but just for the time mm-hmm. period that we're in. Yeah. Um, the main event being these two guys that are not normally in the main event. Yeah. The first and time. This will go on to continue for Brett's future yeah. as yeah. well. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. Brett's first uh, pay-per-view main event. Davy Boy's first pay-per-view main event. Um, first time the intercontinental titles in the main event. Yeah, yeah, on its own. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it, it's and the, and just the another reason to watch it is just the spectacle of it. You know, being in the stadium, um, that outdoor feel, and it's 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 a fun show. It's one of the ones that I would I would always go back to on the shelves of Blockbuster. Like if there was nothing else that if there was nothing else new that I hadn't seen, I would always go back to SummerSlam '92. I rented this one multiple times. Yeah, man, this yeah. is a guilty pleasure for me too. Yeah. Um, like I said, '92. Like you said, um, we earlier when you and I were watching the event, um, you said that '92 was a, a like lovable era for you. Can you explain that again? Yeah, it's it's an interesting time because it's uh, you know Hogan's out of the picture after Mania. Um, and it's just flares there and they're, you know, he, he's killing it and they're, they're doing a good job with the main event scene and building bread. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, a something it's hard to, hard to describe, but it's definitely, uh, one of those, like, uh, you know, one of those eras that, are, that it's really fond of me, which I don't even really have any memories of watching at the time, but just something about it feels right. Yeah, I mean, watching those tapes when yeah, you were younger, too, it definitely. sticks with me, too, because my go-tos were definitely this whole 92 period. It was yeah. like the Rumble 91, yeah, which I know Hogan was involved in, but then yeah. um, you get the uh, the WrestleMania after that, and then Rumble 92, SummerSlam 92, yeah, and Survivor Series 92. Those yeah. were like my go-tos. Yeah, it was a good time. I mean, there was good, there's good matches going on, and uh, a lot of interesting characters. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, some of them fall flat, some of them don't. Uh, but it's just you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good time in WWF, even as business is uh, starting to trend downward. It's you know, yeah, the, the, this is the. This starts the trend for the ratings decline in pay-per-view buys, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's for, terrible. for a long time. Until and we get to where almost where we are in our timeline. Yeah, yeah, when it blows up again and there's another boom period. But, yeah, is the, the pay-per-view buys were down, like, 44% from the previous SummerSlam. And uh, even in the Observer, uh, Melter's like, uh, you know you know what, uh, pay-per-view is probably a dying, you know, thing. Like, it's not going to... Yeah, it's it's a it's a bygone era, and it was nice while it lasted for wrestling companies, but they're not going to be able to do that. Well, Davey, the technology didn't advance that soon. We still got <laughs> CDs to come across. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he he would be proven wrong on that one because we got a huge boom coming up. But um, yeah, this is this was you know starting um you know business starting to trend downward, and I can't remember how long it is until they run another stadium, like an actual stadium. 
Oh, a good long while. Yeah, because I mean, WrestleMania Nine is outdoors, but it's at Caesar's Palace, so mm-hmm. it's like you know, not not that big of a uh, an arena, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm not sure. Probably, a lot of a lot of claims about WrestleMania Nine being moved to Caesar's Palace because they, they were going to the L.A. Coliseums because they couldn't sell. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All yeah, ties in. Yeah, they did make a million. 1.5 million at like four merchandise and everything yeah. there. That's amazing. Yeah. That's equivalent to everybody in that stadium, the 79,000, the 80,000, whatever yeah. you want to scribble it as. Yeah. Uh, that's equivalent to everybody buying a shirt. Yeah. That's amazing. Bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even though business was down, they did like some good stuff there. Yeah. You know, and there was a decent reaction, I think. Um, it's mixed reactions. Sure. Really? Yeah. Hot and cold. Um, well, you ready to go back to 1997? Yeah, let's go back. It's uh, good to hang out in 92 for a little while, but not on our next episode, we'll be picking back up uh, where we left off, which was right at SummerSlam. Yep. We got Raw 221, Raw 222, and Raw 223. Awesome. Um, those were from August 4th, 11th, and 18th, and yeah. we're going to cover those. And then we might touch on the Friday night main event. We might wait until the week after yeah. that. Um, still got to collect some footage, see what I can find. Yeah, yeah, but that's coming, and that's definitely going to be interesting because I don't recall much of that myself. Um, and we promise we will be having guest episodes. It's going to happen. Um and those will be those will be a lot of fun. So uh, just stay tuned. Uh, check check out the Facebook page. Yes, indeed. Please like, share, subscribe, listen to us. We're yeah. at moholeradio.com. Yeah, a lovely place. Uh, I've been listening to podcast the movie. Yeah, which is great. It's a lot of fun. And then I've also listened to the inept supervillains. Yeah, yeah. I actually really dig that. I uh, listened to the newest episode today. Yeah, that uh, one just dropped. Very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Nice, nice, uh, nice pop culture stuff and uh, yeah, nerd stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Stoked to be a part of it. Uh, Moleholeradio.com. Yeah. So as we're doing our wrestling nerd stuff over here, yeah, um, you can join us at Facebook. Uh, just search Retromania. You can find us on any podcast, catcher, anything. Subscribe, yeah. listen, share. Please help us out. Yeah. If you want to talk to us, you can write to us yeah. at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. That's Retromania with a W W R E T R O M A N I A podcast at gmail.com yep. and Jimmy they can get a hold of you at uh, at Jimmy underscore price on the on Twitters um, and yeah just like let us let us know what you you know if there's there's some stuff that you want us to touch on specifically let us know any errors or omissions please let us know uh, anything like that we'd love to hear from you guys yeah we we, we want to know if we're doing well if we're doing it justice uh, I know people go over a lot of these um these certain timelines or events, but uh, we're trying to touch it in a special way that's close to our hard nostalgia. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hope you dig it. Uh, join us next time, and it's going to be catching up with our timeline, like yep. we said, August yep. 1997. 20 years ago. The origin of Attitude, the 20th anniversary. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this 25th anniversary. Yeah. 
Um, Thanks for listening, guys.